It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast this week's, uh, we're recording on Father's Day, so I guess the Father's Day episode, if you will, uh, obviously released the day after. Uh, Mid-June, the off-season content rolls along here. Actually, a lot of program buzz to talk about here with uh, the wave of recruits that are coming in, uh, the commitments that Mel Tucker and the staff have landed over the last week here. So we got some stuff to talk about. It's pretty exciting. Uh, Scott's with me here, my co-host, as always, at SpartanMartin18 on Twitter. Uh, Scott, how are we doing today, bud? Doing good. We woke up uh, in the woods this morning. I went camping this weekend, so recording late Sunday. <laughs> if you just pause that after we woke up in the woods this morning, this could have been a totally <laughs> different conversation. um yeah i don't know if you've ever had to pack up a wet campsite uh but it's it's pretty awful experience so the day got off to a slow start rough start but uh we're doing well uh got some other non-college football excitement in the sports world euro is is it kind of finishing up the group stages obviously the nhl and the nba continue to plug away on their playoffs and got some things keeping us entertained yeah, I have the uh, Suns-Clippers game one in the background here, silently playing as we're recording. Uh, the Euros I've been really tuned into here. There's been a lot of interesting match. I, I don't know for a lot of people, it's something that probably aren't too keen on, too interested in. But um, it is something that if you are bored at work, it's great to throw on in the background. There's games running the whole afternoon and you, you have that national side to it. There's a lot of fun there. Um, I've made a, a nice little chunk of change here so far betting on those games. So we'll hope to keep that momentum going. Uh, I actually have France winning the whole thing. Uh, it was kind of funny because I, I had put a bet on them to win uh, a while back, a couple months ago. And then right as the tournament was starting, I was out drinking with a couple friends. I was like, you know what? Let me put uh, some money on France to win the whole thing and kind of forgot that I had already put them. So I have two bets in for France to win the whole thing. So I'm, I am uh, definitely pro France on this one. Uh, luckily, I don't bet nearly enough money to where even losing two bets is at all like detrimental to my financial stability. But um, no, I thought that was funny. So you know, go France, I guess, is the moral of the story. There are worse uh, wagons to, to hit yours, too. Um, France Don't drink is a lot of fun bet. to watch. 
Don't know how many soccer fans we have listening, uh, but France is a ton of fun. Kylian Mbappe, maybe the best young player in the world. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's, he's fun it's good. to watch, man. Like it, not that often on, in soccer does a singular player like kind of wow you, but he's just so fast and so skilled that there there was a play against Germany where he just it was basically like a like a hockey dump and chase, but alone. Like you just he launched the ball like forty yards in front of him. Had like the defender had like ten steps on him, and he just blew past him. Like I would love to see what that dude could do as a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, the U.S. team is starting to turn a corner too. Obviously irrelevant right now, but for any U.S. soccer fans, um, we'll probably still kind of half suck for our entire <laughs> life. But we're going to be a little better than we used to be, and hopefully we'll be making World Cups again soon. <laughs> uh, it, excuse the the French here, but I have to read this verbatim. Uh, my girlfriend just put down in front of me a note as she's kind of listening in the background. It says, go Poland, fuck frog eaters. <laughs> so <laughs> she's not on Team France with us. <laughs> Lovely. Keeping it exciting. Um yeah, and uh, like you said, a hot week for MSU fans, certainly hotter than most weeks this time of year. Also uh, a hot seems... week for the weather. I don't know how it is there. It's a hot week for the weather. It's like 90 right now, I think, um, which is great for drying out my tent. But other than that, pretty <laughs> much sucks. Um, this week in Spartanland, I think the on-campus visits are really starting to 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 get the ball rolling on this 22 class, we had three commits, a couple of them uh, this weekend, one of them earlier in the week. So the first one that rolled in earlier in the week was Braden Miller, another offensive lineman, another very large offensive lineman. He's listed on 247 at 6'7, 290 pounds. Um, so they continue that trend. Kevin, thoughts on, on Mr. Braden Miller? Yeah, the fourth offensive line commit of the class already. And that's, I mean, it obviously speaks to how highly the staff is prioritizing the spot. And, you know, maybe it's just a case of like, hey, they're offering a lot of people and the offensive linemen are just the ones who happen to have committed early on. And and maybe there's not as much to read into it as we always try to find, but it is safe to say that that's a, a position group that they're prioritizing early in this process. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, the size is definitely something that they're prioritizing. And you know what, what I kind of liked seeing too is the Gavin Brocious is one he's, he's been really vocal on Twitter. He's been awesome as, as like a recruiter. I mean, every time a recruit posts any edits, you know, from their visit at Michigan state or even post their commitments, um, he's quote tweeting, you know, Hey, come join us. We're building something special here. So, um, you know, there, there's that one guy seemingly in every class that, that kind of turns into the spokesperson that turns into the, you know, the, the main recruiter, if you will, in that class, like last year, there was Kevin Wigginton, the the offensive lineman out of New Jersey kind of seemed to be that guy. Um, the guy that commits early in the process and kind of, you know, gets the juices flowing for everyone else as you will. So Gavin Brocious might be that guy, but him and big Dooley were both, 
you know, really excited about it. And it's, it's kind of a funny thing because when you're bringing in another offensive lineman, there's, you know, Hey, you're bringing in somebody who can help the team that you're joining. And that's always good, but they're also bringing in competition for your spot. So to see them, you know, still get excited about the other guys that are coming in uh, was really good to see, but yeah, they're, they're bringing in the girth early and Braden Miller is no exception. I was trying to watch some of his tape. Uh, We were kind of talking about this off air before we started. Like it's kind of hard to gather a lot of information from high school offensive line tape, but you know, he was doing his job out there, pancaking everybody in sight. So yeah, and this is a guy that uh, Chris Kapilovich was building a relationship with, I think, for a few years, um, obviously starting in his time out in Colorado under Mel Tucker, um, and he carried that on to Michigan State and eventually brought him in here. So obviously, you know, if we trust a guy like Kapilovich, which I think, which I think both of us do, I think we're both excited to have him on the staff, uh, knowing he's that high on a kid to pursue him for as long as he did and finally land him, I think uh, speaks uh, speaks well towards uh, the kind of player that he'll be. So, um, but later in the week, I don't know if they were both today or at least this weekend. The one was the next Saturday. One, the one was Sunday. So yesterday, which was Saturday, um, Michael Masunis, tight end, another Arizona recruit. Uh, Gavin Brosh is also out of Arizona. Michael Masunas, tight end, listed at 6'5", 235, 240. Apparently has almost a seven-foot wingspan. Um, Kevin, I know you were kind of trying to uh, fit him into a kind of a, a player comparison. Um, yeah, I, I was bringing up because, yeah, again, I, I spent a good chunk of today like watching all these new commitments on Huddle and – the way I was kind of looking at like if Cameron Allen, the guy from the previous class, if he was the the NFL, you know, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey type, like just he, you're going to line him up at wide receiver a lot of times. Like he's just he's that pass catching field stretching kind of guy. Michael Masunis is the Gronk where he's going to be in line. He's going to be blocking his ass off. He's going to be bullying dudes in the run game. Uh, and he's going to be that guy in in more short yardage receiving. I, I don't really think he's the, you know, he can rip off a 40, 50, 60 yard reception. He doesn't seem to have that kind of top level speed and athleticism, but you mentioned the wingspan and he seems to really do a good job of positioning his body and bullying dudes at the catch point. So that's kind of the the frame that I saw him through. But really impressive tape, really impressive player from from um, first glance. He's got a nice little offer sheet. And we talk about, you know, commitments, uh, about recruits being recruiters, if you will. Uh, his quarterback is somebody that I know we're going after. So if, he, if we were able to use that a little bit in our favor, uh, that would certainly be appreciated. So that announcement, Nico Martial is the quarterback. Uh, he is announcing tomorrow, uh, well, for the listeners, it will be today. Um, depending on what time you listen, it may have happened already. It may have not. I think he said noon on Monday, but I don't know what time zone. He's from Arizona. Noon West Coast, probably, right? Noon West Coast. So sometime tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, we'll know. Um, 
maybe he'll be headed our way. Left-handed quarterback. Take that as you will. I don't like lefties, but I don't know. The good news there too is so the, the school that likely we were competing the most with was Arizona state. And for those who haven't been following the, uh, national storylines they're in some uh, they're in some trouble uh what's the expression they're in some hot water yeah um yeah there's some recruiting allegations that are pretty damning on that staff so if it turns out that those are proven to be true which it seems like they have like security tape footage of them sneaking commits during dead periods and during the COVID dead period, like it, it's not a good look right now. So um, as a recruit, especially at the quarterback position, um, you know, these kids are smart. I think they take that kind of stuff into consideration, especially knowing like, Hey, this entire coaching staff might not be here in two weeks, let alone for four years. So not we'll wishing, see, like I said, not wishing bad on any other programs, but uh, that's certainly some news that could help us out in the short term here. And probably pretty much every program in the country is head to head against Arizona with at least a few recruits in every class, Arizona State, because I think we mentioned on the last episode, Arizona State was the leader in offers for the 2021 class. It, I think it was upwards of 400. So <laughs> we'll see how that shake things, shakes things up. They seem to have their hand in a lot of different areas in the recruiting world. Um, we'll keep tabs on that. But the third and final recruit of the week dropped in as we're recording today on Sunday, Jerron Glover, uh, wide receiver from Sarasota, Florida. I know I was excited to see this. He's six foot three, uh, listed as six foot three track guy, sub 11 second hundred. So I think that's fast. I'm not a track person (laughs) myself, but um, our very rudimentary research led us to believe it was a pretty quick clip. So I definitely know it's faster than I can run right now. So I'll I'll at least pat him on the back for that. What what do you (laughs) think you would run? I don't know. A hundred yard dash right now. Yeah. Like put the cleats on, stretch out (laughs) a little bit and and go for it. I... I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say like 11 and a half, but it's probably more <laughs> like 14. Yeah, I was going to say even 14 might be like, I, I, I start thinking like, okay, first of all, when's the last time that I ran like a, a hundred yard sprint? You know, it's, it's, it's been so a while. The challenge is it'd probably be more like 40 seconds because I'd probably pull something in the first 30 40 yards coming out of the blocks like i've maintained a pretty decent shape but i jog i don't i i don't sprint so (laughs) something's falling apart likely yeah um but yeah so tall guy with some speed i like to hear that it's been a while since we've had a guy on the outside who could you know really stretch the field and win some jump balls uh we've got speed right now uh but we don't have a whole lot of size and when we do have size it usually doesn't come with a whole lot of speed. So um, I think this is exciting. He's not, I mean, his offer list, he's got a lot of group of five schools in there, a couple power five schools peppered in. So whether that's an attention thing or, you know, he's just not that well-rounded yet, who knows, but uh, seems to have a good foundation and athletic foundation to work with. And um, excited to see that one drop in. 
Yeah, and that's kind of like a recruiting philosophy thing, right? In general, like he's tall and he's fast. And as a high school kid that you're planning on developing in a college program, like that's kind of the starting point that you'd like to work with, right? <laughs> like, hey, this gets <laughs> right. tall and athletic. Um, we can we can try to figure out the rest of the stuff as we go along here, but you can't teach size and you you can teach speed to an extent right? Like everybody, oh, you can't teach speed. Like, well, you kind of can, you, you can't teach elite speed, speed, right? You can't teach Tyreek Hill speed, but you can get people faster. There's a reason that like there are track coaches and there are reasons that, you know, <laughs> right. people train for their 40 yard dash at the combine. Like you, you can teach speed yeah. to an extent, but obviously there are certain people who are just kind of naturally more gifted in that sense so when you can get a chance to bring in somebody who's just naturally big and fast well that's a good starting point to work with if if you're working with high school recruits so good philosophy on Mel's, of, um, on Mel's part there speaking of highlights we were watching this kid's uh, a few of his clips is I think it was his junior season highlights for those trying to keep up um go check them out if you want a good chuckle uh, he definitely looks good. He looks fast. Pretty much all of his highlights are him running behind the entire defense very quickly and then basically <laughs> just stopping and waiting for the ball to get to him because I hope this never makes it around to this poor quarterback, but this dude could, he, I mean, he really looked like he was winding up and giving it, you know, everything he had. And it just, this kid, this receiver would just be sitting there like a punt returner waiting for the ball to come down. <laughs> It's safe to say um, this quarterback is, doesn't have a future in, in the game of football. Yeah. And that's okay. Most of us don't. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll have a podcast like us one day and he'll be talking about the next generation of quarterbacks who can't quite get it downfield. You know what's um, funny too is I was listening to something recently. Um, I think it was it was the CBS NFL podcast, the pick six podcast, I believe. Uh, and they it was uh, you know, the hosts and they were talking about um, it was a similar topic and, and it was like between the hosts and n- none of them are former players uh, that I know of, at least. I think one used to be a kicker or something, but um, none of them played quarterback for sure. And there was the debate of like, could you throw a ball 40 yards? And there was one guy who was so sure that he could throw an NFL football 40 yards. He's like, Oh, come on. It's 40 yards. So I'm like, I don't think you could, man. Like <laughs> that's one. That's just 40 yards is longer than you think it is when you're throwing something. And second of all, if you, have you held an NFL football things like a basketball, man? Like it's Yeah. They're a total pain to throw. I don't know. 40 yards. Do you think right now and, or in your peak, I don't Do think, think I could, man. Like I, I remember tossing around like back in high school, we'd play like, you know, flag football and stuff. And I would try my hand at quarterback and I had a halfway decent arm, but I would say even at that time with a high school ball, 40 yards was kind of the limit. I think, I mean, I played baseball in high school. So I think back then I maybe would have had a shot definitely with a football. I don't know if I, about an NFL football. I think a college football. Usually when I would like play with buddies and stuff, we'd use a college ball. And that felt pretty good. And you could give it a good uh good heave. But yes, yeah, yeah, I never NFL balls. I never played baseball. I was lacrosse, football, non-quarterback, and basketball. 
So I, you know, you throw a ball just because you're a child in America, but it's not really like, you know, the throwing mechanics weren't exactly there for me, I guess. So your baseball background might help you out a little bit there, but I, I wouldn't be really confident myself. No. When you grab that NFL size ball though, you understand why they make so much out of the hand measurements like oh, yeah. at the combine and everything. People are like hand measurements. What the, what does that matter? But then you grab one and you're like, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's like a basketball. If you have small hands. Dude. You can't throw it at all. <laughs> They're <Yeah>. huge. <laughs> but speaking of uh, throwing things, I don't know. This is a terrible pivot. We had some fans <laughs> throw us some questions we, this week. <laughs> that is a segue if I've ever heard one. That's well done. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. We're still <laughs> we're still amateurs, you know? We got just I, over a year. Hopefully our fans will give us a, <laughs> a, a few mulligans here. That was well done. Um, yeah, we got so a couple good fan questions f- here. I put out the mailbag on Twitter, uh, I think Friday before the weekend. Got a couple good questions from our, our regulars here um nobody that came out of the woodwork that that was surprising but you know we always appreciate our regulars so um scott brown spartan bot spartan 187770 that is um just kind of known around here a spartan bot but have you seen by the way i sent you his tweet um spartan bot tweeted his man cave yes oh man that is awesome dude yeah, that's sick. I want to know the story behind all them because you can see they all have autographs. Yeah, I mean, um, just from the picture, it was a, you have like the so uh, Spartan one eight seven seven zero on Twitter for those who are listening um, and don't follow. So it's a picture of like a, a an L couch. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven jerseys. They're, they're definitely all signed. I see Cassius Winston. I see Kennedy Willickis. I see Raquan Williams. Um, there's a couple that looks like a Naquan Jones. It's a number 93. Love the Kenny Goins. Um, there's a 33, which could be a Magic Johnson, um, it's, yeah, which is also a jersey that I have hanging, the, the signed Magic Johnson. Then he's got the framed footballs helmets pictures um he's got the script script state uh football helmet yeah they're awesome awesome well done memorabilia collection by spartan bot well done what's your favorite piece you can see kevin um let's see here i would i mean he's got the it looks like um, Jeremy Langford running away from the Ohio State defense in the 2013 Big Ten Championship. Oh yeah, um, framed finding in the, the corner inches. there, finding the inches. That that's a good looking piece. Um, I'm I'm Ooh, really X-Man, curious. Xavier Tillman block on uh, Xavier Simpson there. Yeah, I I don't have it zoomed in enough right now. There's there's a net. And it looks like a final four net. And I think I see is that Cassius Winston, Dougie McQuaid, uh, and company. Yeah, Goins, Tillman, Aaron Henry. So he's got his final four tickets in Minneapolis I would in the be Big Ten very Championship. We need the story. To hear about. Yeah, yeah. Spartan, Spartan one eight seven seven zero. 
either tweet us or we'll get you on the podcast. We'll talk about some of your uh, favorite memories here on your wall. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, he's, he's got an awesome collection. Scott Brown is also somebody I've, I've been, we've been con, con conversing. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for back and forth from time to time. Um, I told him that I'm, I'm going to get it on, get him on. We'll, we'll have a, a good talk with him because he, he played at MSU a little ways back and, and, uh, I know he's got some good stories for me. He actually sent me a good list of guys that he wants to, uh, highlight here in the MSU football countdown as we're going along. So I've got some good recommendations from, from Scott, Rob Fredrickson was one of them. He actually replied, replied to this, uh, tweet as well. He was a player, uh, played in the NFL was a first round pick. Um, so that was a good call, but yeah, uh, let's get to these questions and stop kind of rambling. Um, we have from Scott Brown, Scott L Brown, SL Brownie on Twitter, name the greatest MSU football player that most fans have never heard of. Um, and then Rob Fredrickson, again, former MSU player, first round pick, all big 10, all American, I believe. Um, he added great question. Did we have any players whose time cut short by military service? He slash they would be my pick. Um, I, I didn't frankly do a lot of research into that. I would assume, you know, you go back to the world war two days, there would be a handful of guys, um, even, you know, the, the Vietnam days, there, there were probably a handful of guys, um, frankly, didn't do a whole lot of research into that, but. I would tend to side with Rob there that that would be, um, you know, you, you can't have a much more noble way to cut your football career short. So, um, but going back to Scott's question, name the the greatest MSU football player that most fans have never heard of Scott. I know you kind of did a little bit of a different take on this. Do you have a good answer for us? Yeah. I just wanted to take it as who's, you know, someone who, doesn't get the recognition they deserve for their their performance at MSU a little more recent and I'm sure most people listening will have will remember this player um Ed Davis there was a little chatter around him on Twitter this week maybe that's why he was on my mind but he I mean that 2013 defense arguably maybe not not even arguably the best defense we've ever had at least in our lifetime um had three linebackers Danico Sale and Max Bulla who both get plenty of recognition in Spartan circles. Um, and Ed Davis uh, was the third in that elite run stopping unit. Um, and I just feel like he, he doesn't really get the spotlight he deserves. I mean, he had a phenomenal season that year and that wasn't the only great year he had. He was part of a few really, really, really strong Spartan defenses. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he, he deserves a lot of credit for the performances that he had. And those defenses certainly wouldn't be the same had he not been in there. Yeah. And he always seemed to play great in big moments, kind of like what you said there too. And, and I remember him having a, a handful of great games against Michigan. He was a local kid. He was from Detroit. I think he went to Southeastern, um, and yeah, no, he, he was, so he, I think it was big 10 network had put out a tweet about one of his uh one of his performances yeah one it of the was games the 2013 or, or... big 10 championship yeah so that kind of made its rounds and... on twitter um but yeah yep. just a great player that yeah it doesn't really when you go back you remember Danico salen and you remember you know shalik calhoun and darquez denard at 
Um, Ed Davis kind of goes under the radar. So I, I appreciate that shout out. Um, I went historical here. So one of the cool things so I've been doing the uh, countdown. So every day that goes by, there's a new Michigan state player that wore the number of the amount of days that are left. Not exactly a novel concept. I know a lot of people do this nationally for college football. You know, we're 20 days away from college football. We're 30 days, whatever. So I've been picking a guy for every, um, every number. And, and a lot of the times you come across guys like Bubba Smith was one that we, that we did or big name guys that, that everybody knows. And the whole program recently was Tony Mandrich. That one blew up a bit on Twitter. Cause I mean, everybody knows the story of some of these guys, but I came across one that I, I had never heard of and it was a fascinating player and it was Don Coleman. So 1949 to 1951 played at Michigan state came out of Flint. Um, one of the first black players at Michigan state, uh, he was a first, he was an, a unanimous all American. It was MSU's first black all American in program history. He was runner up uh, for the Outland trophy the nation's best offensive lineman. He was the MVP of a national championship winning season in 1951. And um, Scott, I don't know if you saw the tweet, Uh, I guess, before I ask this question, did you see the tweet that I, it was his number in the countdown. He was number 78. I may have missed the tweet. Okay. So with, uh, without checking it, so again, okay. unanimous All-American, Outland Trophy runner-up, uh, nation's best offensive lineman, MVP of the team. I want you to guess a height and weight for for our guy Don Coleman. He played offensive in the middle tackle. of the century. Nineteen fifty-one right. was when he finished uh, college. Well, I mean. Dudes were smaller, right? But still tackle. Let's go like six, two, two, seven, sixty. Six, two, two, sixty was the guess. Yeah. Mr. Don Coleman checked in at five foot ten, hundred, one hundred and eighty five pounds. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> five foot ten, 185 pounds. I also did a uh countdown recently. Number 76 was Flozell Adams, who was I think six foot seven, 340 pounds. So <laughs> the game of football has gone a long way. The uh, hotel. Yeah, Don Coleman, 5'10, 185, and uh Outland so Trophy of- runner up. One of the best players of all time at, at Michigan State. He, he has some quotes here. I was reading an article about him. Um, he once said, quote, I could outrun most backs. <laughs> like, so I'm just picturing him out there like as a polling tackle and on the power and just running way out ahead of everybody because he's 5'10", 185. <laughs> so instead of asking how fast we could run 100 yards or how far we could throw an NFL football, Guys like us with size like us should be asking how well would we hold up blocking college defensive ends? I'm, According right now, to Don Coleman. Yeah, right now I'm about six 
three one ninety if I weighed in today. So I had a little bit of size on Don, and I'm guessing that he would just bury me a hundred times out of a hundred. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'll never get a chance to see that spectacle. Um, rest in peace, Don Coleman. Definitely a legend who I think played in Spartan stadium, because I don't think we have ever had a different stadium. I think MSU football could be wrong. No, it's it's, it was Spartan stadium. They just, you know, have continued to renovate it over the years. Right. Yeah. Uh, Same spot the whole time. I think. Yeah. Probably the same bathrooms too. (laughs) (laughs) Same trough urinals. Yep. Uh, God. So that was a good question from, from our, our guy, Scott Brown. Uh, we had a couple here from Spartan bot. So Spartan bot again, one, eight, seven, seven, zero, the legendary man cave and memorabilia collection. Uh, he had two questions here. Number one, now that MSU runs a four, two, five defense, how do they stop offenses that are heavy run oriented, such as Iowa and Nebraska? Uh, he also references the 49 to seven or Iowa and Wisconsin. I don't know why I said Nebraska. Um, Iowa and Wisconsin. He also references the 49 to seven game against Iowa last season. Um, this is a tough question and it's something that we've, we've kind of touched on from time to time on the podcast of like, you know, it, it does certainly make it more difficult and, you know, we can say, well, college football and football in general, it's getting more spread out. Offenses are spreading out. They're going to more four or five wide receiver looks and it makes it, you know, really important to have those athletes that can play out in space. The problem with that is there are still schools like Iowa, like Wisconsin that are doing the opposite. They're, they're not spreading the ball out. They're just putting more guys up, up front. They're putting more beef in the middle and they're running the football 40 times a game and daring you to stop it. And especially in a day and age when defenses are gearing up for spread offenses, I often wonder if, if a team like Wisconsin, if they can just recruit at a little higher level and play that style of football, I, I always, I've started to wonder about this. Like, is it enough of a curveball for a Clemson or an Alabama who are just continuing to get like faster and, and more spread out that, you know, you could make a game out of it in your peak performance. I, I've started to kind of wonder that of, of the zig rather than the zag. Uh, but anyways, how, how do we stop Wisconsin? How do we stop Iowa with a four, two, five? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And it's honestly something I'm curious to see as well. I mean, we've only seen seven games of the 425 um, for MSU so far. And as uh, Spartan Bot mentioned, 49 to 7 against Iowa is an example of one time where that went horribly. Um, but I think what it comes down to is managing your secondary, having depth at secondary, and having guys in your secondary who play different roles and not just the secondary, but the, the linebackers as well. When you look at, especially that fifth defensive back that we're playing that nickel, when you're playing against Iowa, you have a lot of times two tight ends in line. You're going to drop that extra third corner, bring in an extra linebacker, or you're lucky enough to have an athlete who has a little bit of size and enough speed to play that slot corner with size. 
uh, more of a hybrid linebacker. Um, but I think it comes down to personnel. And when you look at a guy like first one that comes to mind, Ben Van Summeren, um, coming over from Michigan, he's a linebacker. He's a stand-up defensive end. He's a guy who, when you're playing those guys, you can drop an extra defensive back and you can bring a guy like him in, play him almost as a fifth uh, lineman, kind of a stand-up end um, who can, you know, bully up against those tight ends in line and, and start to help with that running. I think you just, you will see us fiddle with the personnel a little bit more in matchups like that. Drop that fifth, uh, def, um, defensive back when we need to. Yeah. At that point, it, it kind of becomes more of like a five, two, right. When you, you can kind of play with the personnel a little bit, like you said, and, and that's where, Mel Tucker just bringing in big athletes really comes into play where you have guys that can play multiple spots. You have guys that can kind of specialize into a certain role like that. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to is you have that kind of versatility. Um, The other thing that's super important here, if we're going to kind of stick to this as our base scheme and try to just, you know, play our game, against a a Wisconsin against an Iowa and try not to change too much about what we're doing is having big, good defensive tackles. Like you have to have guys that are eating blocks in the middle to stand a chance. And if you don't, uh, it's going to make your linebackers jobs extremely, extremely difficult. So having those big space eating defensive tackles who can occupy two blockers and not lose ground is super important there. If you can have a, you know, think about like what Mike Panishuk did so well, and it's just, you're going to try to double team him and it's not going to work. You know, he's not going to split the double team and go get the running back in the backfield, but you're, he's going to occupy those two blockers and he's not going to give up his ground. So if you can get a couple guys like that where they can just eat the space, they don't allow the guard to to come down, double team that defensive tackle, and then move on to the linebacker, it forces them to both stay on the defensive tackle and allow the linebacker the freedom of movement to to go on there and sort through the, the rest of the mess and find the holes and make the plays. So those big big gap eating space eating defensive tackles, I think are going to be extremely important if we want to kind of stick to what we're due against a, a Wisconsin against an Iowa against, um, you know, whatever type of team that, that comes our way. Northwestern, you know, we've seen kind of start to adapt that type of style, that kind of power running. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. You, you get as many athletes in the building as, as you can, like you mentioned there, that can kind of fit some multiple. You know, Mel Tucker loves that catchphrase, we're going to be multiple. Um, you bring in guys that allow you to do that, and part of that is these big defensive tackles who can occupy blocks and allow everybody else to, to flow, fly around and make plays. The question yeah. is, will it be successful? <laughs> and that's where we're so there's far, only no, one way to find out but right we're over one against teams built like that we'll definitely get some more chances this year i can't remember if any of our non-conference opponents would give us a look like that miami certainly wouldn't um not that we're playing this year no and and the yeah. good thing about it too is 
w- playing in the Big Ten East, we don't really see that in our division. So really the only time we would really be worried about it is the crossover games that aren't happening every year. Um, you know, if we were in the Big Ten West and facing these guys every single year, I think it would be a bigger concern. But only playing, you know, realistically one of Iowa and Wisconsin every year, give or take, you know, that makes it a little easier to swallow, you know, Hey, if we get bullied by Wisconsin once every two or three years, so be it, you know, you, you kind of have to live with it from time to time. Yep. And actually just scrolling through the tweets, uh, Johnny Mac did reply to that question and said something along the lines, you bring in uh, freaks to play the hybrid linebacker spots that are technically safeties. Um, and the other part, great defensive tackles. So, John, yeah, that's kind of what was the uh, what was the commit that we had last week that kind of fits right uh, right with what he was talking about there. It wasn't. I'm thinking Quaveris Crouch because that's our incoming guy from Tennessee, but it was a similar name, uh, Quavian Carter. Carter. There we go. Um, yeah, that's kind of exactly that role, right? He's he's six four, two hundred. He looks like he's got plenty of length to put on a little bit more weight. And he's that, yeah, he's technically a safety, but he's really big enough to be a linebacker anywhere. And, and that can give you that type of versatility you're looking for. Yep. Yeah. So shout out, Johnny. You're on the same wavelength here, if you're a listener. Um, I think the next question, this is a fun one, an interesting one. Again, from Spartan18770. Uh, I feel in some aspects, MSU fans are de- are just as delusional as gasp Michigan fans. For example, some feel Tucker should be pulling in several for I want to meet these people. If these people exist, <laughs> for example, some fans feel Tucker should be pulling in several four and a five-star recruit right now. What makes them think that we're in that league presently? I'll let you start with that one. Yeah, so basically the question is, why are delusional people delusional? (laughs) And I don't think that's a question that we're qualified to answer. Um, But no, I I have seen it. I've seen it across the timeline come up where people are saying, you know, okay, yeah, there's some nice momentum, but where's the four star? It's like, are we really splitting hairs here over this mid to high three star that you liked and you know here we go um jack williams i because i remember this tweet from from earlier today um like he's a writer um i i don't think he's a big time national writer but he's got over a thousand followers on twitter he says on his bio he's a site expert at beale street bears um like a memphis grizzlies blog and the at Gigum Gazette. So it looks like a Texas A&M site. Um, anyways, he's a, he's a Michigan State guy. He's got a Michigan State photo. His name is Jack William MSU on Twitter. Uh, he says in, in a tweet earlier today, I think Mel Tucker is doing an underrated job as a recruiter. His 2022 class doesn't look any better than a typical D'Antonio class, but these three-star recruits from the southern part of the USA are objectively better than they'd be in Michigan, even though, even so, I'd like to see a four-star. 
And it's just like, that's not, you know, that's not even the type of delusional people that we're talking about in this question, but it is, it does go to show you that even like, that's a relatively reasonable take, right? You, you listen to like 90% of it and you're like, yeah, that checks out. Right. Like, and then there's still this just like, well, I'd still like to see a four star. It's like, does that really make it, is that going to really move the needle for you? Like that? Okay. Well, we got this guy and he's a four star and we got this guy and he's a high three star. So now I'm happy because we got a four star. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I, I get bothered by those takes and even from seemingly reasonable and, and well-read, well-spoken people. Yeah. It's, um, First of all, if anyone thinks we should bring, we should be bringing in a five star. <laughs> I want to talk. I wouldn't be disappointed if we brought in a five star, but I, we're not that kind of program, um, at least not right now. And yeah, I mean, we can talk about do stars matter? Don't they matter? Do recruiting ratings matter? Don't I mean they they don't at the end of the day. Coaches were, are going to go watch these kids play and, and decide if they think they look good, but we're left to our own devices. Um, and yeah, the reality is it doesn't matter much. The other reality is we are a program that's rebuilding. It's not like we, D'Antonio rec- retired in his glory years and left, you know, the, this posh throne ready for anyone to sit in it and, and bring in the best of the best. I mean, we went through some tough years, thankfully not too many of them so far. Hopefully we'll keep that uh, a positive trend going, but it, it wasn't the most attractive job uh, for recruits when, when Tucker took over and it's going to take a little bit to build up that momentum in recruiting and prove that Mel Tucker's program is a program worth playing for. Um, and I think that's just the reality of it. This is his second, well, really, yeah, his second full recruiting class. And I think we'll get some in this class. I don't think it matters if we do or we don't. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't read too much into it. And where does the delusion come from being a sports fan and <laughs> thinking you want your team to be the next Alabama dynasty and knowing you're not going to be a dynasty without really good players, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's reasonable, but it's not. Um, I mean, fan, <laughs> fan is just short for fanatic. And so like yep. that, that just, you know, tells you all you need to know, but um, no, it's one of those things that it's, it's a delicate balance because recruiting matters and recruits matter. We all know that. And that's, I mean, if not the biggest thing that a coach has to do, it's certainly, you know, in the top two or three, the thing is like, there's a difference between recruiting and recruiting rankings, right? Recruiting matters. Recruiting stars and 24-7 ratings don't really matter. And that's, you know, something that I've heard time and time again um, is, is the idea that, like, there are some of these guys that the recruiting services they'll have as a three-star. And then Alabama will offer them, and they'll bump up to a four-star. It's like the, the, the recruiting rankings. And it's, I think I've gone on this rant before on the podcast too, where it's like, 
I'm not even blaming them. I'm not even saying that like, oh, they're doing a bad job or anything because it's, it's an impossible job to do. They're, they're trying to scout and rank like 20,000 kids every single year. It's impossible. They're never going to do a perfect job of it. And so I would do the same thing if I were them, if, if I were a service, Alabama has people that are paid very handsomely to decide who are the best football players in the country. So when those people make that decision to say, yeah, he's one of the best football players in the country, we want him to come play at Alabama. If I were a recruiting service, that would definitely bump him up on my board too. I'd be like, well, if he's good enough for them, he's good enough for me. Right. Yeah. So there's, you know, there, there's some, it's a delicate balance, I guess, as a fan, because, you know, you know, on one side of you that it doesn't really matter if he's a four-star or a three-star or if he's a five-star versus a four-star, but it also does get you really excited when you see those four stars next to a guy's name, right? So there's, there's a delicate balance that you have to play as a fan, but um, yeah, where does delusion come from would, would take a lot of different conversations with a lot of different sociologists and psychologists that, you know, I don't feel qualified to answer that question, but Scott, um, trivia question for you on this topic. Oh boy. For people who think that we should be landing a five-star in every class or every other class, um, what year and or what player was the last five-star commit at Michigan State according to 24-7? Because that's the service that I have up on my computer right now. So what what year and or what player? Like if you want to try to nail down the player, be my guest. If you want to just kind of guess a year, you can go there too. Year of the of this player's recruiting class. Right. Um I am inclined to say like Charles Rogers. No, no, no. It's been we've had a a handful since then. Malik McDowell. Malik McDowell, do you remember okay. what class he was? 2014? Nailed it. 2014, nice. Malik McDowell was the last five-star recruit we've had. So it's been seven years. <laughs> His name did pop into my head, but I couldn't I, I couldn't remember if he was a five-star or just like a high four-star. Um but yeah, yeah Malik, Malik McDowell out of Southfield. Um, William Golston was also a five star. He was like a top five or six player in America out of Detroit. Um, I know Jeff Smoker was a five star, but he was at the same class as Charles Rogers, I believe. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I know we've had a ton of four stars come in, but five star kids. I want to say we've had a couple more that are just escaping my memory right now, but like there was a lot of get like Devonte Dobbs was right on the border there. Um, Lawrence Thomas, I remember out of Detroit was another one where he was like right on the edge uh, as far as like the, you know, Oh, he's a 92 instead of a 93 or whatever they, they used uh, to determine that. But um yeah. So again, that just goes to show we've only had a handful that we could probably count on one or two hands in the last 20 years at Michigan State. <laughs> so if we're expecting us to be pulling them in by the second year of a new coach, um, 
yeah, that's delusion. And like you said, so, we, we can't really quantify or qualify delusion. We have had, here's a trivia question for you, and then we'll move on. According to 247, 247, we have had five five stars ever. I think their, oh, their okay. records go back to like 1999. We have talked about four of them. Charles Rogers was the highest rated, uh, followed by Jeff Smoker. Yeah. Charles Rogers was the number three in the country, by the way, um, at any position. Jeff Smoker, William Golston, Malik McDowell, and the fifth. I'll give you the class. Class of 2004. 2004. Um, Drew, no, Drew Stanton was out of Farmington Hills. Uh, Harrison, I don't think he was like a five star kid. I know he was. It is not Drew. Stanton. Pretty highly rated. Um, what about 2000? Was it? Was he from Michigan? He was from Chicago. From Chicago land. Oh, um, it's tough because he's not a he's position? not a skill position. Not not a skill position. Not okay. a skill position. Um, yeah, like I was, I would have thought Lawrence Thomas was right on the border there. Um, like Devonte Dobbs was on the border, but those are both way more recent than two thousand four. Honest, obviously, um, nothing's coming to my head right now. Offensive tackle, last hint. Who was a good number seventy three? You might have to throw him um, on the timeline in a couple days after this. I might have to now. Uh, Roland that, Martin. Roland Martin. Roland Martin. I, you know, I remember the name. It's it's not somebody that's uh, you know really popping off in my head. I don't think he was like an all American type player or, or an NFL first round pick. So, you know, again, that just goes to show we've only had five guys in the last 20 years. And one of them, I don't even really remember. So, <laughs> oh, you know what? He was listed as a guard. He played guard and just college. goes to played... even further prove the point that we're trying to make here. Yeah. So trivia questions are never easy. He only ever made honorable mention all big 10. So like you said, he was no Tony right. Mandarich. Um, Tony yeah, Mandarich, but Roland Martin, story. the fifth and final. So maybe we'll get number six uh, in the next couple of years. We'll see. Yeah. And again, like, you know, this doesn't, this isn't going to say that like, I don't want five stars. Of course I want five stars. <laughs> I just not. don't think that we're going to get them, you know? <laughs> I mean, the other guys that we mentioned there, Charles Rogers, Jeff Smoker, William Golston, like, they all had really nice careers. Uh, Malik McDowell as well. He was a bit up and down at times, but you know, he was an all Big Ten performer. Um, maybe he didn't live up to the five-star ranking, but he was still a really good player for us. Um, the thing is, is we've also had All-Americans who were two stars. It, it just depends on the coaching staff's ability to find talent that they believe in develop that talent and you know continue marching on iowa doesn't recruit at a high level according to the stars but last i checked they put in like five guys to the nfl every single year so it can be done without the five stars everybody we can uh we can rest assured knowing that last thing we want to do here so um this is something that we we've kind of been toying around with and i think what we're going to do is is kind of bring up 
one per episode because I was thinking about making a whole episode of doing some like over under props on players um, and just kind of picking a player, giving a number um, or I, you know, I guess it doesn't have to be a number, but making like an over under prop. So, you know, over under receiving yards for Jaden, Jaden Reed over under rushing yards for Kenneth Walker over under number of games started for Anthony Russo, whatever you want, whatever kind of pops into your head that week. Um, instead of doing a whole episode of just rattling off five, six of them, um, I think we're going to try to do one every episode, uh, assuming that it's not a super jam packed show and that we have no time for it. Um, the off season, we generally do have a bit of time for this kind of stuff. So we're each bringing one player to the table, um, today and for the rest of, uh, of this kind of series, as we go along, uh, we'll, we'll throw it on the end of every episode. Um, and just kind of given a number over under, we, we won't talk before the episode about what the over under is. We're going to give the names of the players generally, just to make sure that we're not picking the same player. Um, but today's the, the first, uh, edition of this. So Scott, I'll, I'll start off here, uh, because it was kind of my, my baby and mine's referring to Eli Collins and, you know, he's had such an interesting career at MSU that we've kind of talked about a few times on the show. And the way that I'm going to frame this, because, you know, it's, it's really hard to say how many rushing yards or touchdowns he will have, because it's really hard at this point to say where he's going to be at in the depth chart compared to, you know, the, the, the incoming transfers that are coming in. I mean, incoming freshmen, there's so many kind of variables there. And we know the, the results of the COVID and everything that's come out over the last couple months about what forced him into a, a really a disappointing junior season, or I guess sophomore season, redshirt sophomore season in 2020. So the background here is 2019, Eli Collins, almost a thousand yards rushing. We know that averaged four and a half yards a carry in 2019 In 2020, that number dipped down to 2.2. So I averaged those two out and you get 3.35 yards a carry splitting the difference between 2019 and 2020 yards per carry. So Scott, Eli Collins, 2021 over under 3.35 yards per carry. Basically, are you leaning is going to be a little bit more 2020 or there's going to be a little bit more 2019? You picked like the most enigmatic player on our roster to, to project anything from. Yep. Um, I, I'm going to take the over because I'm inherently an optimist Maybe I'm delusional. I'm a fanatic. I don't know. Um, but we, one, know he can do it. He did it two years ago. 2019's offensive line wasn't exactly the greatest offensive line Michigan State had either. So we did it in some traffic. Last year was a weird year with COVID. He had COVID, uh, which has been reported by him uh, that – really held him back. And he has said he felt like he's returning to a previous self. Obviously we love to hear that. Obviously it could be an exaggeration. We don't know, but I'm inclined to believe it. 
Uh, he's got a lot of competition in that position group. So there's going to be a lot of motivation to get better this year, this summer. Um, and I think he's going to, and I think the offensive line is going to do a little bit better for him. Um, another year under the same offensive scheme, hopefully some more, uh, obviously more experience, although the two of us have gone in circles around experience for offensive line and the fact that it should, but doesn't always lead to better play. Uh, but I do think he'll have better protection. I think we know he can do it. Hopefully it looks like his confidence is higher going into this year. Um, and really 3.4 yards per carry is not the tallest order. I know with the right. offenses that we've had lately, it can feel like it, but like if he's half decent, he should be breaking that mark. So I'm going to take the over there. That's, that's kind of, I, so I was thinking the over as well. Uh, and that, that was kind of what it came down to for me. And, and again, the way I got to 3.35 is ex, it was exactly halfway between his 2019 and his 2020 yards per carry. So that was kind of the thing. It's like, all right, 3.35. He is, like you said, probably the most difficult player to project. And that's kind of why I wanted to start with him. Uh, but at the end of the day, like you could still have a, a pretty bad season and average 3.4 yards a carry. So that's what it came down to for me as well. I would go with the over here. Um, I do think that the COVID impact on last season can't be ignored. But yeah, I'll I'll take the over there with Eli Collins, um, 3.35 yards a carry, which gives us both the optimistic view on Eli Collins. And I'll kick this over to you. So I took a little different angle. I didn't pick a specific player, um, but I did kind of like a team over under. So the 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 prop is how many players on MSU's roster will break 500 scrimmage yards. So total offensive Ooh. yards, uh, not including quarterbacks because passing yards are kind of a weird uh, asterisk stat in, in respect to total yards. So a little bit of background on this before I set the over under in last year, we, I mean, we played seven games. We had one player over 500 scrimmage yards. That was Jalen Naylor at 526. We had only one other player above 300, which was Jaden Reed at 424, um, and then a handful of others. To use kind of a couple examples of normal seasons, in 2019, uh, we had three players, Eli Collins, Cody White, and Daryl Stewart. Uh, and in 2014, which in my view is one of the best offenses we've had in recent memory, we only had four that broke 500 yards. Jeremy Langford, Tony Lippett, Nick Hill, and Keith Mumphrey. So all that said, total players on MSU's roster that will break 500 scrimmage yards, two and a half. Okay. So I think pretty comfortably can we though i think i want to say pretty comfortably that we can eliminate quarterback because i even if peyton thorne is the start of the whole year i know he's got some good running ability i don't know if he has 500 yards running ability um 
Brian Lewerke in 2019, his senior year, had 380 scrimmage yards. Yeah, I, I was just looking in 2017. He went over 500 pretty comfortably. Um, Peyton Thorne had 47 rushing yards last year in, in his, you know, what, couple of games on and off. So I don't think he would be a 500-yard rusher. I think he could get a couple hundred on the ground, but I think we could eliminate there. Uh, I would feel pretty good about both Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor being able to get 500. I mean, you're, you're looking at you know the, the recent examples like Cody White and Daryl Stewart, who were pretty clearly the one and two. Uh, they both comfortably hit 500. Um, and I think both of these guys are more talented uh, than than Smith and or than White and Stewart. So I think we can we can chalk up two wide receivers. So can I find one more player to get over 500? And the thing that's really bothering me here, because I don't think we would get a third receiver. And it, it should be easy to get a running back to 500 yards. But the problem is like, I think this is really going to be a committee approach. And I, I know a lot of people are really banging the Kenneth Walker drum. And I think he could be great, but I, I don't know if he's going to get like a workhorse back production where he could pretty easily go over 500. But uh, I'm also looking right now at 2018 and Connor Hayward in a committee role who is not very talented <laughs> uh, 529 rushing yards, 700 plus receipts from scrimmage. So I'm going to take the over. I'm going to say Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor and Kenneth Walker all go over 500 yards from scrimmage. That said, if you had set it at three and a half, I would have pretty obviously taken the under i don't think there's any chance that we can get four but i do think that those top two receivers and kenneth walker would be my pick at the running back spot that if there's going to be one guy who may i don't i still don't think he's going to be a workhorse but i think he's going to be a guy who takes enough of a significant snap share that um, he'll he'll grab probably 150 to 200 receiving, and that's only asking him for you know 400 on the ground, which I think he could get pretty comfortably even in a committee. Yeah, I was between two and a half, three, and three and a half, and I could make arguments for the over and the under on all of them. I I think I would take the over on two and a half, uh, probably the same players that you spoke of, but I mean there's scenarios where I think you could get to four. You look at like, if let's say Eli Collins and um, Kenneth Walker develop a one, two punch, Kenneth Walker's shifty, smaller back, right? Quick, good out of the backfield. Eli Collins, a little bit bigger between the tackles kind of guy, like things work out with the offensive line. You could see those two guys, both breaking 500 yards, plus the two receivers you mentioned, a third receiver comes up. Let's say, Terry Lockett, a kid that I've had my eyes on most of the offseason, really breaks out as a third receiver. And you could put, you know, three 500-yard receivers. But that's a lot of coulds on, <laughs> in an offense that looked horrific <laughs> most of last year. Um, I know there's plenty of things, you know, plenty of excuses. Well, we, we don't have a quarterback yet, blah, blah, blah. But our offense looked horrible last year. 
and we're talking about pretty sizable um, yardage totals here. So I think three is the safe bet. Those two receivers plus one other, likely Kenneth Walker. It could be Walker, it could be Collins, could be another receiver. I doubt it'll be a tight end. Could be a quarterback. I kind of doubt it'll be a quarterback. Um, right. And the good thing for running backs too, is like you said, it's yards from scrimmage, right? So, you know, if, if you can just put up a hundred, 200 yards through the air over, over 12 games, I mean, that's not really asking for a whole lot. That's a couple screen passes a game um, that, that could boost you just enough to where even as a committee back, you can get three, 400 yards on the ground. Um so yeah, I, I would feel pretty good about three. Anything more than three, I would definitely take the under. I'll say that okay. though. If if it were three and a half, it would be an easy under for me. Last question. I'll throw a bonus question on here because I doubt I'll come back around to something similar to this question. Over under total MSU offensive players to break 1,000 scrimmage I'll, yards. Zero. 0. 0.5. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the under. I I think Naylor or Reed like could get there, but I think them both being there um, kind of eliminates a lot of the potential targets and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, with, like I said, I, I really think it's going to be more of a running back committee than people are talking about. So I, I pretty safely, and like you said, I mean, we're coming off a year with a, a really bad offense. So to expect that kind of jump is, is really optimistic. And I generally am really optimistic, but I, I pretty, I, I would pretty clearly take the under there, unfortunately. Uh, for perspective last year, our leading yard getter, Jalen Naylor, had 526 yards in seven games, which over the course of 12 games, mind you, three of those would be non-conference opponents, a couple cupcake-ish opponents. Um, 12 games at that rate would be almost exactly 900 yards. So the question is, is our offense going to get 100 yards better for Jalen Naylor this year? Right. Um, and Which it could, but again, it's a big could. Right. And, you know, you're, you're going to have possibly other guys who, you know, if the offense improves, maybe it's because there's a third receiver that emerges and takes some of those targets away. It's because a tight end emerged and took, take some targets where like, we didn't have any tight end production last year. So, you know, if, if a tight end does step up and takes a little bit of a bigger chunk of that target share, um, I, yeah, I, I just really have a hard time seeing that. I would love to see that, but you know, the realism in me says a thousand yards is probably a little steep for anybody here. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's a good mark to aim for. I don't think it's out of the question, but we would need to see some offensive improvement. So if we're talking about somebody who got a thousand yards uh, this time next off season, we're probably going to have a happier season than we did last year. So here's to hoping we yeah. see that thousand yard mark. That's the truth. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, it's It's been a good episode here. We'll keep this off-season off content rolling, as as we say every week, every single week through the whole off-season, um, and, and twice a week as we start getting up uh, towards the actual season itself. For everybody that's new to the podcast, we really appreciate you checking us out, giving us a, a chance. 
Follow us on Twitter at Standing Room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18. Follow on Instagram at Standing Room MS or no, Standing Room Spartans on Instagram. The website, standingroomspartans.com. Uh, don't think I'm missing any plugs there. Um, other than that, like I said, rate, review, subscribe, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, hope everybody has a good Monday. If you are a father, uh, happy Father's Day. I hope that you were treated to a nice, I know my dad's got a, a nice steak dinner for for himself tonight. He's got a couple books to read. So, um, you know, he's, he's a simple man of simple tastes. And I, I obviously hope he's having a good day. Uh, and if you are fathers out there, I hope you had one as well. Other than that, Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.